Now, once again, with today's Carolina Newsmakers, here's Don Curtis. We're back on Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest is Tom Campbell. Tom, of course, was the longtime producer and moderator of North Carolina Spin, a staple of public television in North Carolina for a number of years. Before that, he was on a number of commercial stations. Uh, and uh, Tom's program always had uh, two or three, uh, 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 oh, I always had four panelists, and two from the left and two from the right. And it was a very interesting dialogue. And of course, the panelists all got along well with each other and, and had civil discourse. And that's uh, something that we're sort of missing. And I always enjoyed that and found uh, that uh, I always seemed to be better informed after I heard Tom's program than I was before I uh, uh, tuned in. Tom, uh, first of all, let's give us a, a little summary of uh, you, you know exactly how many broadcasts you had and how many years and so forth. Give us about a minute and a half on the history of North Carolina spin before you ceased the broadcast a number of years ago, a couple of years ago. Well, we, we started the program when I was a licensee of Fox 50 and uh, I was leasing the station to capital broadcasting and the FCC rules where I could lease the station, but I had to do public affairs and public service programming myself. I couldn't, I couldn't lease that to them. And I'd been watching this program on PBS for years called the McLaughlin group. And I thought John McLaughlin was probably a pretty bam bombastic uh, personality and didn't particularly like him. But I must admit to you that I tuned in every Friday night to watch him because he had some compelling panelists. And I felt like, wouldn't this be a good idea to have something like that for North Carolina? And I happened to mention it to John Hood, who I was at a, a function with one night and told him that I was thinking about doing it. And he said, hey, this is really fascinating. I've been thinking the same thing. And he said, you know, the truth is I, I would like to help you with this because one of my first jobs out of college was as uh, the intern for Fred Barnes, who was one of the regular panelists uh, on the McLaughlin Group. And I did research for him. So I can tell you how the show's formatted. I can tell you how it's run. I can tell you, you know, how the segments work and all this kind of good stuff. And and he said, and by the way, uh, in addition to that, I can tell you, I'd like to be a panelist on. And I said, well, OK. So um, I, I said, OK, if you're going to do it, you're going to represent the right. Obviously, we got to find somebody to represent the left. And we both simultaneously said Chris Fitzsimon. So we met at TK Trips for lunch one day uh, and over uh, t uh, lunch at TK Trips on a napkin. I mean, this is the kind of stuff legend is made out of. Over a napkin, we sort of penciled out how we would how we would run the show, how we would format it, and so forth like that. Uh, and and so from that, uh, we got it started in September of 1978, and we had 1154 uh, episodes over a 21 and a half period. Uh, name, name some of the various and sundry guests that you had through the years, because it's a long list and uh, some were only on once or twice, but a uh, number had a reoccurring role. But you had some very, very, very smart people representing both the left opinions and the right opinions. You might well, want to mention we, just a few. Of them. We prided ourselves on that. Well, we had a, a younger Pat McCrory before he ran statewide for office was one of our panelists from time to time. He'd come from Charlotte. Uh, a good friend of both of ours, Henry Hinton from down east, 
who does a, a great talk of the town radio program down there every morning. Uh, but we had uh, we had lots of people who were uh, formers uh, in state government. The former lieutenant governor Dennis Wicker, the former Supreme Court Justice Bob Orr, uh, the former Secretary of State and Attorney General Rufus Edmiston. Uh, we had uh, Leo Daltrey, who was one of the former. Uh, and, and frankly, a good friend and, and a person I admire quite a bit, uh, a, a former legislator from Johnston County. Uh, and, and we had people of that ilk. But we also had, uh, in addition to John Hood, we had a number of people who were representing either the, the John Locke Foundation or NC Policy Watch, which was a think tank that kind of evolved, uh, which was on the left hand side. The, the philosophy was uh, of the show was we wanted a show in which uh, we presented more than one side of an issue. We were not going to be in the bag, so to speak, for any particular party or philosophy, but we wanted to represent. And, and the other part of it was that even though the panelists may have opinions and thoughts about specific issues, we were not going to be the show that told you what to think. We were going to be the show that told you the different sides of issues and then count on you being smart enough and trusting you to be smart enough to make up your own decision. And I think that's kind of what that and the fact that, as you said, it was civil debate. Now, I will tell you that uh, this is the one source of pride that I have in the show is that uh, we had on the show what's called Tom's Rule. And Tom's rule is that we are Southern ladies and gentlemen. And if you can't act like one, if you can't, if you can't refrain from name calling and, and really ugly, uh, critical discussion, you don't come back. And it worked for 21 and a half years. So uh, it was, it, and I, my role I saw uh, was Switzerland. I, I always really got upset on these cable shows where they had the show and the host himself or herself was part of the partisan debate. I didn't feel like that was my role. I felt like my role was to keep the trains running and to uh, give people the opportunity, make sure everybody had airtime, make sure everybody got treated properly, um, and, and then let the viewers make the decisions and, and trust my panelists also to be smart enough to present them with some, some well-thought-out thoughts. I, I'm I'm very proud well, that, of that, that leads me to the next uh, topic I wanted to change to, and that is the fact that um, I think the one thing that almost everybody that voted in the election can agree on is they were all tired of negative political ads. But here's the other side of it. Negative ads obviously work. work. Yep. And uh, yep. It, it, it's bothersome to me that we elected a, uh, a whole group of congressmen. We have no idea in the world what uh, they are what views they want, and what they believe are, in. We just know what they're against. But we know who uh, fall against them. You know, so, this is, this, uh, and, and I will say to you the same thing. I can remember when I ran a radio station, you and I knew each other, uh, and somebody saw me at the Rotary Club meeting one day and said, Tom, I can't believe you allow the Drake Theater to run X-rated uh, ads about X-rated movies 
on your radio station. I think you're a more highly principled person than that. I can't believe you do it. And I turned around and I said to, to this person, I said, you know what? Let me tell you the reality of this. Uh, they're in business like everybody else. And if people stopped paying, buying tickets to see these X-rated shows, they quit showing them. Well, the same thing is true so far as these political ads are concerned. I'm up, I'm as upset with them and fed up with them as anybody in, in this state. But I will tell you that if you continue to vote for people who do these ads, and by the way, more and more of these ads are not being done by the candidates. They're being done by these independent expenditure groups. And, and that's something I think needs to be changed about politics. Um, the Supreme Court allowed all of this with their Citizens United decision back many years ago. Most people forget that when they ruled on Citizens United, they also instructed the Congress to go back and pass some better campaign finance laws. And the Congress just ignored that because they couldn't get along to agree on anything. But anyway, uh, you quit voting for these characters and they'll stop doing it when they find out uh, that ain't working anymore. They'll quit doing it. I, I do get upset because there are people I marked that I don't have a clue what their philosophy is, what they believe in, what they stand for. I just know what they're against. Well, that, that's my point. There are a lot of very key issues. For example, there was very little discussion about what the various and sundry candidates are going to do about inflation or a yes. possible recession. There was, very, there was absolutely no conversation about the NIL situation that the colleges and universities are in, which almost everybody says is going to have to be settled by an act of Congress. Yeah. Uh, so we have no idea in the world what uh, uh, the views and opinions of those that we elected are on most issues. And that's that's very disturbing to me because well, people uh, vote. Uh, actually, most people are therefore voting against somebody rather than voting for somebody. Which is exactly, by the way, the way modern campaign uh, committees and chairs have found out is effective. Um, yeah. Gone is the time when somebody said, here's my platform. Here's what I'm for. Here's what I want to do. It is, I guess it's easier to, to rail against what the other candidate believes in. And by the way, they're not even accurate in doing it. They are, it's what we call in the business framing. You frame your op opponent. And you frame him or her in such a way that is the most negative way you can possibly think of. And and so what it's boiled down to in politics today is, first of all, uh, if I'm a candidate, if I'm running a campaign, I've got to make you afraid of something. I've got to tell you about how big a threat X, Y, Z issue is. And then I've got to blame it on somebody. And guess who I'm going to blame it on? I'm going to blame it on our opponent. And then I'm going to tell you how to fix it if they get around. To that. Um, and and it, it, it's a, it, the biggest problem has been that it's gotten to the point now where we are having uh, what's called the replacement theory. And the theory has been, particularly with some of these more extreme groups, that here's what the issue is. And let me tell you what, if you vote for this guy, they're going to take away your rights and replace them with rights for X, Y, Z group. They're going to replace you and your rights with this, uh, these other rights. 
they're going to make you afraid of what's going to happen if this person happens to get into office. Now, you know, preachers used to do the little bit of that when they would preach their hellfire and damnation sermons, trying to convince you to, to act better and behave better or else the, the, the punishment would be hell uh, at the end day. Uh, but uh, this, is, this is a horrible way for people to decide how to choose uh, those people who elect us. And, 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 and I still believe in government. I still believe in, in free and fair elections, but certainly not the way we're doing them now. Well, it's uh, it certainly, uh, as I said, dozens and dozens of very important issues just aren't brought to light as to their opinions and views. And so we elect people, again, on the basis of who we don't like rather than who we do like. And, and if they do bring the, if they do happen to bring those issues to light, Don, what they want to do is scare you and and threaten you with what's going to happen if you elect my opponent. Yeah, but it's, it's all negative, and uh, uh, and as you, but unfortunately, uh, it, it appears to work. And uh, yes, as long as it works, yes. your point is this: as long as it works, they're going to continue to do it. That's and, it. Uh, that's uh, yeah. In the next segment, our last segment, I want to talk a little bit about what's next for the Democrats and what's next for the Republicans, and. Uh, also, sort of what's next for North Carolina, because as we know, we have a large number of registered unaffiliates. Now, because somebody is unaffiliated or so-called independent doesn't mean that they don't lean toward being a Democrat or lean toward being a Republican to begin with. So uh, so I think we can just sort of zero in on what's next for the for the Democratic Party and the Republican Party, not only here in North Carolina, but across the, uh, the country. And so that's what I'd like to get Tom's views and opinions on And we'll do that when we return right after these messages. You wanted to see me? Yes, please have a seat. So here's the thing. When this company brought you on, we took a chance on you. You didn't have that four-year college degree we typically look for. Right. But we gave you a shot anyway. And since then, you've worked incredibly hard and given it your all. Thanks. You've been an important asset to the team, but I don't think you can be an intern here anymore. <sighs> We want to hire you. You're, you're serious? Absolutely. Find your next great employee. Introduce yourself to the grads of life. Who are they? Talent worth knowing about. Young adults of unique determination and experience. An ideal fit for your company in an entry-level position, internship, or even mentorship. They might not have every qualification you typically look for, but they're exactly who your company needs. I won't let you down. I know. Don't miss out on a resource many innovative companies have already discovered. Go to gradsoflife.org to learn how to find, cultivate, and train this great pool of untapped talent. Brought to you by the Ad Council and gradsoflife.org. Here's a fun fact for you. The average chameleon can point their eyes in two different directions. On the other hand, the average human can't. So unless you're a chameleon, there's absolutely no way you can focus on texting and driving at the same time. So don't do it. Unless you're a chameleon. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. Final segment of Carolina Newsmakers this week. Our guest is Tom Campbell, the creator, executive producer, and moderator of North Carolina Spin, a program that uh, 
was on the air for more than 22 years and ended its uh, run in December of 2020 after uh, some huge number of broadcasts, 1,500 and some odd. I've forgotten how many you said, but it was a lot of them. And uh, it was a very interesting program and one that a lot of people uh, miss very much today. Well, Tom, as we said before we ended the last segment, we want to turn now from uh, the lessons learned in this election that will affect how the Democrats and how the Republicans move forward, uh, both in North Carolina and across the country. Uh, and, uh, of course, next election will be a presidential election, so it will get uh, to be very important. Every member of Congress, of course, will be up, and another one-third of the Senate nationally will be up. And so it's going to be kind of interesting to watch and see what happens. So why don't you sort of split your time, and I'll sort of uh, wave a flag when it's time to switch, uh, and give us your views. Uh, why, why don't you start with the Democrats first? and then well, uh, Let's, let's then, get let's get I'm, a bigger... Let's get a I'm picking an alphabetical order. Yeah, let's let's talk an alphabetical order. Let's get a macro view of this whole thing. First of all, uh, I, I believe in democracy, and I, I I think it's the best system there is. But I think it seriously needs some reform. Let's start in in thinking about this. You know, we used to rail about the fact that candidates were chosen by the polls in smoke filled rooms. Well, guess what? By and large, they chose pretty good candidates. The beauty contests we have now in primaries are a farce. What ends up by going on is that we have not candidates that are selected by a majority of people, but people who can survive a beauty contest. Uh, And that's exactly what it is to select the nominee for the Republican or Democratic Party for president and on down throughout. Uh, the area. We we end up with less than best candidates to start off with. Well, if you don't start off with good candidates, it's entire. I mean, a Donald Trump would never have made it out of a smoke filled room uh, back in the day. Uh, he just wouldn't. Uh, the, the, the people would not have selected. Him. So let's start with the fact that we need a better process for selecting. I think that the second part, the second thing I would say is I think the political party parties, the two political parties are dinosaurs. I I think they desperately need to be uh, changed, thrown out, whatever you might want to be. Time was when my dad ran for public office back in the 70s, early, late 60s, early 70s, the, the party helped choose the candidates for the the primary made sure that nobody was running that was just way off the page so far as their philosophies were concerned. But furthermore, after he got nominated, the party came in and helped surround him with a platform. Here's our philosophy. Here's what we believe in. And by the way, we're going to help you in explaining that and taking it to the people of your district. Furthermore, we're going to go out and help you raise money. We're going to get surrogates to go out and help stunt for you and support you and so forth like that. Uh, A lot of that changed back, frankly, when Jim Hunt first ran for uh, governor and lieutenant governor and governor back in in the 70s. He bypassed and circumvented the party uh, mechanisms, the the mechanics of of the party. From that point on, the party became little more than just a fundraising machine. 
and, and it's evolved at the point now where that's just about all it is. It can talk about maybe it espouses this platform or that platform, but they're toothless tigers. They don't have any any way to enforce it. And frankly, it's nothing that anybody pays too much attention to. So I do believe that. I think further that the majority of people in North Carolina, and, and my thesis on this unaffiliated voter, yes, if you're an unaffiliated voter, you may lean more toward voting Republican or more toward voting Democrat. I, I, that, that may be your proclivity. But I think the majority of the voters and people of North Carolina are moderates. And there is no place for moderates anymore uh, in either of the parties. Not only are they not rewarded, they're penalized, they're punished if they want to be inside either one of the political parties. If I'm not far left or far right, I just get ignored. Well, uh, that's a fallacy. The parties themselves need to figure out how to correct that and get back on. The reason for it is, by the way, the extreme factions are the most vocal. They are the most threatening. They are the ones who say, if you don't adopt this platform, if you don't do this, we're going to bolt. Well, guess what? Bolt. It's okay. We'll survive. Uh, but I do think that that's part of what's gotten uh, in here. And so our effect was uh, moderates in either party are, are largely being ignored. And I think that's where most of North Carolina is, is sort of moderate. There are some issues in which they probably are conservative and some issues in which they probably are progressive. But in general, they're sort of center line, middle of the road uh, philosophies. No room, as I say, in the current political uh, culture for that. So I think uh, that it would be terribly important and very uh, I'd, I'd sign on with it and try to help start a third party if it was a moderate party. And frankly, in my way of thinking, I wouldn't want them to be Democrats or Republicans. I just want them to be moderates. Now, why haven't we done that? Why hasn't this been done? The reason for it is because the two political existing parties, particularly in North Carolina, have made it so difficult for you. Don Curtis, you're a moderate. You want to run as an unaffiliated voter. The truth is they have made this so difficult for you to get on the ballot. They've made it so difficult. The, the way that it works right now is if you are an, an unaffiliated, you want to run in an, as an unaffiliated, you have to go out and get voters to sign a petition for you. And you've got to get a certain number of voters that voted during the last election in order to be able to qualify and get put on the ballot. Well, in, in essence, what's going on is that political parties are controlling their own competition. I can kind of understand it, but it's not good for government. It's not good democracy, in my opinion. Uh, so I think one of the things that's got to happen is we've got to have better ballot access. Now, I think that the Democrats in general have allowed their, their factions to the left to dictate too much of their policy. And I think they need to be uh, more strengthened by that, uh, their, their positions, more moderate positions of what they stand for. The problem is that the parties consist of such many factions that there's no way in the world they can get enough consensus to appease all of them. And, and uh, 
I'm not sure I have a, an answer for that, Don. Uh, I know you'll find that very difficult to believe, but uh, I, I think it needs to be done, but I'm not sure how to do it. The, the only threat that I see that might poten potentially be any uh, help is the ability to be able to start a third party. What's wrong, by the way? Uh, what's wrong with the old system? Yeah, I, I understand, and I'm going to tell you in a minute why, why it's opposed. But what's wrong with everybody putting their name on a ballot that wants to run for an election? And let's have some sort of a process where we winnow it down. And doesn't make any difference whether they're Democrats or Republicans or what. The top two or three vote getters get to run in a general election. And then we choose, or four, whatever it happens to be. Uh, I, I got it. The ballot is already long enough. We've got too many races in the, on the ballot. That's a problem in North Carolina, frankly. Our ballot is way too long. There are a lot of offices, and this is heresy, but there are a lot of offices which we should not have to elect. The truth is we shouldn't be electing a secretary of state. We should not be electing attorney general. We should not be electing a state superintendent of public instruction, uh, maybe a state treasurer, or maybe state auditor. I, I'm not sure where you draw the line with that, but that in and of itself lengthens the ballot when we go to the polls to vote. So I think if we could figure out how to let the executive choose the various officers that serve in the cabinet, kind of like they do in Washington, uh, then get the Senate to confirm these people if you, if you want to. But, but the truth is, if we shorten the ballot and give more opportunity for voters to vote, I have this great trust in voters. I have this great belief that people are inherently good and that they are, they are willing to look after their own self-interest to the extent that they will know which candidates on the ballot serve, will serve them best. The only exception to that, by the way, is in judicial elections. And I think we are way, way, way off the beam insofar as electing judges. We don't, that doesn't ensure we're going to get good justice. I'll never forget the analogy that, that Barack Obama made in, in talking to the folks in Georgia about Herschel Walker, he said, you know, suppose you're in an airport and you look down the hall and you see Herschel Walker and you say, wow, listen, there, there is a guy who was a Heisman Trophy winner. He was one of the greatest running backs that ever played the game of football for the University of Georgia. He is just a legend. Why don't we let him fly the airplane? He said, you wouldn't do that. He's not qualified. Well, so why do we elect people to the bench? Yeah, they got to be a lawyer. That's the law. Uh, they got to be a lawyer. But does that make them qualified? Not necessarily. So I think we should quit electing judges and find a better way of appointing them and then having some sort of reaffirmation of them after they've been in office for a long time. I think the, the, the Democrats have been rightly accused of being too leftist. The Republicans have been rightly accused of being too too much to the right. And I think it's largely because the factions within their party have driven them that way. Now, the result of that is that people who are moderates, me, you, whoever, we say, hey, wait a minute, I don't feel like I'm at home in either one of these parties anymore. I don't want to be a Democrat. I don't want to be a Republican. I'm going to be an unaffiliated and have been for a number of years. The system needs fixing. Um, we've got people who are more interested in 
blaming other people and finding criticism in other people uh, instead of trying to improve what we've got. And that's a problem. And I think we need to work on it. Well, it, it's, uh, I, th I think there are an awful lot of people that uh, think both parties have lost touch with, uh, yes. with the middle and, yeah. uh, and the middle is uh, obviously a lot larger than either the left or the right. That's for sure. Well, Tom, our time is all gone. We appreciate you being with us, Tom Campbell. Uh, if you'd like to hear a repeat of this broadcast or share it with a friend, you can go online to carolinanewsmakers.com and do just that. carolinanewsmakers.com. And, uh, of course, uh, Jason will have another interesting guest for us next week on the same group of stations as he is the producer of the program and does a great job. Till the next week, same time, same station. Have a good week, everybody. Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers. Newsmakers.